Campfire Ghost Stories Episode 2 The Mirror The Church of St Nicholas of Myra stands on the west end of the village on a slight rise. There's been a church here since Saxon times, but the church that stands here now is mostly Norman in origin. It seems like a scene of pure tranquillity and peace when you look at it from the outside, but yet when you look around it more closely you realise that this place too has seen its share of hardship over the years. For example, in the south wall there's a small anonymous rectangular window it looks like nothing very much. And as you get up close to it and look more carefully, you see that, looking through the window, you actually look down a kind of a tunnel which points you towards the altar inside the church. And this is something called a leper's squint. And during the Middle Ages, when people still suffered from leprosy, lepers were, were shunned. They weren't allowed to come to church, and if they even turned up in the village they'd probably have been stoned and driven out by the rest of the villagers. So what used to happen was that uh, when a service took place, the lepers would come in later on, a few minutes after the villagers had all gone into the church, and they'd come and stand by the squint. They'd be able to look through that little tunnel that pointed them towards the altar. The clever thing about it is that from the inside of the church, you're unaware of the fact that there's even a window there that tunnel of stonework completely screens the altar so that when you're in the church, you can't tell that anyone could be standing there outside. And what used to happen was, as the service was coming towards a close, the vicar would turn and make the sign of the cross to the lepers who were standing outside. I guess the people in the church didn't really quite know what was going on or why the vicar had done this, but assumed it was part of the ritual. Anyway, that was the leper's signal to turn away and leave as quickly as they could, get out of sight because within a few minutes all of the villagers would be coming out of the church and if they saw the lepers there they'd be driven off. But that's not all. If you look under the roof line all the way around the church there are a series of stone faces carved into the eaves and this is something that was done in Norman times called a, a corbel table and a lot of those faces are showing not just signs of age and wear, but also damage. And that damage was caused back in the time of the English Civil War in the mid-1600s when parliamentarian soldiers came to the village and they discharged their muskets at the stone statuary that they saw on the outside of the church that they thought were graven images that were completely unnecessary for Christian worship. And the inside of the church bears similar scars. There are chips in the stonework that are thought to have been caused when roundhead soldiers entered the church and fired their muskets at the statues that were there on the inside as well. So though it seems to be a place of calm and tranquillity, there are plenty of things that have gone on during the years to shatter that peace. And of course, once you've entered the church through the south door and you turn around and look above, you see that mirror hanging above the door, the mirror taken from the ship, the Holswell, that was wrecked down on the coast below the village in 1786. It was thought to have come from the captain's cabin and was one of the things that was washed up on the shore a few days after the ship was wrecked, back on the 4th of January, 1786. 
And it's also said that no one had looked in the mirror since. It was hanging there in the church as a reminder to everybody of the shipwreck, of the tragedy that happened all those years ago. But to get to our ghosts, we have to wind forwards a lot of years to about the mid-1970s. This is about the kind of time that I started going to the village when I was on holiday. And the vicar there at the time had a son. His name was Michael, and Michael had a friend whose name was Stephen. And Stephen would often come and stay with Michael during the summer holidays when they were away from school. And I guess they were about 10, 11 years old at the time. And back in those days, of course, young people had a lot more freedom to be able to go out and explore the countryside. And they would just spend their summers, if the weather was good, out in the fields, down by the coast, swimming in the sea and occasionally taking a wander around the village. And one day, Michael brought Stephen to the church to show him where his dad worked. And they were looking around all the various different historical aspects. Michael was explaining it all. And Stephen was really taken with the idea of the mirror, and particularly the thought that no one had looked in that mirror since that last day in 1786 when the captain had probably looked in it for the last time before going out on deck for what was to be a really terrible day for him and for many of the people aboard the Holswell. And Stephen said to Michael, wouldn't it be amazing if we could look in the mirror? We could be the first people for hundreds of years to see inside that mirror. Just imagine what we might see while we're there. And Michael too was really taken with that idea. He thought it might be really cool to be the first ones ever to have looked in that mirror. And so they decided to hatch a plan. And of course, this was not something they could do during the day. There were too many visitors. There were the ladies who came to do the flower arrangements in the church. The organist would come along and have a practice. And so this was something they'd have to do after the church was shut for the night. And rather than waste any time, they thought they'd get on and do it that very night. And so they went to bed at the normal time, but actually wearing all their clothes so that they were ready. They set their alarm for just after midnight and neither of them really got much sleep at all while they were waiting for the time to pass. And when their alarms went off, they muffled them really quickly. They got out of bed, they picked up their shoes and they crept slowly across the landing and headed for the stairs, avoiding the creaky one on the way down, along the hallway, and Michael took down the key to the church from the hook where it always hung in the hallway and then they crept out as quietly as they could opening the front door closing it really gently behind them and creeping down first through the garden and then into the churchyard they thought it was safe by that stage to turn on their torches and they got to the church opened the door and went inside they realised very quickly that they weren't going to be able to just look straight into the mirror. It was far too high up. So they had to think of some way of being able to get themselves up high enough to be able to look into the mirror and see. So they dragged across one of the pews. And they tried standing on that to see if that would make them tall enough. But it didn't. And so, after a while, Stephen came up with a suggestion. He said, OK, what are we going to do? You're going to kneel down on the pew. I'll get onto your shoulders. And then when you stand up, 
I should be tall enough to see into the mirror and then we can swap over. Now Michael wasn't too keen on this idea because it meant that he'd be the second person ever to have looked in the mirror since the Holswell had been wrecked. But nonetheless they were going to have to do it one way or the other. So in the end, reluctantly, Michael agreed. He knelt down on the pew and Stephen clambered onto his shoulders and then with quite a lot of effort Michael straightened up and stood on the pew. Stephen took his torch and swung it gently towards the mirror. Underneath him, Michael felt Stephen's legs go really tense. They started to shake and then after a few seconds, Stephen screamed and threw himself backwards and both of them ended up in a heap on the church floor. Michael was terrified. The torches had gone out and he was desperately scrabbling around on the church floor trying to find his torch so that he could get some light and see what on earth was happening. Eventually his fingers closed around his torch and he gave it a shake. The light came back on and to his horror he discovered that Stephen was lying unconscious on the church floor. Michael tried to wake him, but he couldn't. And so in the end he realised there was only one thing for it. He was going to have to go back to the vicarage, get his dad and bring him down. He needed the help. So he went back to the vicarage. He woke the vicar and the vicar wasn't cross initially because obviously this was a bit of an emergency situation. He came down to the church and Stephen was still lying there unconscious on the church floor. After a while, they were able to revive him and the vicar carried him back to the vicarage, put him to bed and then called out the doctor. The doctor was there within about 20 minutes and gave Stephen a thorough examination. When he'd finished, he said that there wasn't really any major damage, but Stephen seemed to have suffered some kind of a major shock. He wasn't prepared to talk about it at the moment. Well, it wasn't until the afternoon of the next day when Michael finally found out what had happened. It was the first time they'd been left alone in the room with no adults there. And so it was the time when it was possible for Stephen to talk. And he told Michael his story. When he'd shone the torch into the mirror and looked into the mirror, he'd seen not what he expected, which was his own reflection staring back at him. But instead, he'd seen a human skull. And worse than that, he said, was the fact that in the eye sockets, he could see a stormy sea, waves crashing against cliffs, and a ship being smashed against the rocks. But worst of all, he could hear the sounds of what sounded like hundreds of people screaming in terror. All this only lasted a couple of seconds, it was all he could bear, and then he'd thrown himself backwards and landed on the church floor, and that was all he remembered until the next morning. The mirror is still there in the church today. As far as we know, no one's looked in it since. Thank you for listening. 
come back to Morsi.